Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, we have a special guest. We are joined by Mike Napoleon. Mike is a PGA professional, Titleist Performance Institute certified, and also co-founder of Superspeed Golf. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Mike, tell us, uh, you know, break it down for us. Give us kind of your background in terms of your education, kind of what brought you kind of into the golf space, but also how you kind of, you know, came about to co-founding Superspeed and how it all unfolded. Yeah, here, I'll give you the short version. It's a it's sure. a unique story, I think, out there in the golf world. But um, I actually started, and I would say this does does count, but I actually did all of my formal education in uh, music performance. So oh, I was no a way. classical saxophone player, of all things. <laughs> um, but basically, I uh, worked through a master's degree at Arizona State and then uh, started working on a uh, DMA degree in music performance, basically looking a lot of what we did there was really studying how people learn and what's the best way to practice. And, you know, should you sit in a practice room for two hours or should you do it for 20 minutes and take a five minute break? And we did all those kind of studies. And, you know, I was always an avid golfer. I was a, you know, single digit, low single digit handicap through high school, better than that in college. And, uh, Really, what I what I found is we had a we had a crazy year where our like head studio professor left suddenly right before the start. It was the second year in my DMA program, so I had finished most of my coursework and without a like you know head professor, if you will, all my committees were dissolved. I had basically nothing to do for six months, so actually started taking some golf lessons. This was out in Phoenix at the time, and it's kind of weird because I never really was I never took a lot of golf instruction. I was a good player, I was a good athlete and baseball and some other sports and you know so I always just kind of did it myself and and didn't and what was interesting is when I, I had that first golf lesson, I was sitting there looking at at the coach I had, and he was a good guy, smart guy, PGA professional, yep. knew exactly what he wanted me to do, but obviously had never really had the training of point A to B of what he should tell me, what he should tell me to practice, how he should tell me to practice, or all of the crazy shit that I've been practicing and, and studying in, in school for the last right. like eight years. And I was just like, it was like a light bulb went off, like, I'm charging $30 an hour right now to teach music lessons with this amount of education. I've got this guy, I'm paying $80 an hour for a golf lesson. And, you know, God bless him. He's trying his best, but doesn't really have the skills that he needs to be able to show me how to get better. And I just said, this is nuts. So, you know, basically jumped ship on that. Uh, Took a job as an assistant golf professional um, started a huge junior program out in out in Phoenix. About a year and a half later, took my first full time coaching job, TPC Scottsdale oh, in, nice. in Arizona. Stayed there for about a year, and then ended up moving to Chicago to open our own academies. and And it's kind of been off to the races ever since. Got really involved with uh, TPI. Got basically every certification they have because. You know, from my background, I was looking for people that actually studied this stuff. Like, yeah. what do we actually need to look at to help someone get better? And one of the things I came across in my uh, time at TPC Scottsdale, I was working for an academy business there, um, where it was mainly golf schools. So, like, we'd have 
four to six people come in. Most of the time they'd fly in and stay at the hotel and be paying two, three grand for the week to spend time with us and get better at golf. And right. I hated the fact that out of that group of six, like two of them would get better. Two of them would be about the same and two of them would get worse. And it happened every single golf school that we did every time. Like it was just yeah. like clockwork and it just, it drove me nuts. And like, like if someone's going to pay three grand to come out here and spend time with us, we should be able as, as you know, solid coaching professionals, be able to guarantee there's going to be improvement yeah. or at a bare minimum, at least a really specific plan to improvement that those players should have. And that was kind of the founding of, of, of our academies. We um, started a company called Catalyst Golf Performance. You know, the main underlying factor with there was that we are going to look at every single thing we possibly can to guarantee that every client that comes through our, our doors is going to get better. And, you know, that turned into, you know, a, a long, you know, structure there of looking at a lot of different things and also incorporating a lot of different professionals on our team. Sure. You know, so Kyle Shea sort of headed up our, our kind of health, wellness, rehab training side. I had headed up the golf side, but under that, you know, we had, you know, we had, a, we, we, we had um, physical therapists that worked with us. We had fitness trainers. We had equipment fitting specialists. We even had like mental performance coaches and, nice. and things like that. So we really could look at everything that was going to affect a player's performance and devise a very you know specific plan to get better. Nice. Well, the other cool thing that always comes out of having those type of like think tank kind of ways is you find innovative ways to help people get better. And one of them, and I can't claim that we, you know, created the science, we really piggybacked on the science of what a lot of other coaches had done in track and field and baseball and, and other sports, looking at how to retrain our neuromuscular system to react faster to motor patterns that we already know how to do. And we saw a lot of this in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, I'd say probably one of the fathers of it would be Dr. Tom House, yep. who was working with a lot of Major League Baseball pitchers to increase arm velocity and, and pitching speed. And really what we did is we took a lot of that data and science and adapted it for swinging sports to be able to optimize it for swinging a golf club, swinging a baseball bat, swinging a tennis racket, uh, looking at some of how that the physics were different in that and throwing and uh, created our, our system for super speed golf. Tested that on our own players at our academies for about a year and a half. Once we got it to a point that we felt like, look, I mean, this is something that every single player can pick up and get positive results for. Um, that was when Kyle and I really just sort of dove head in, uh, you know, head first on, on going all in on super speed. And, you know, I would say that was that. So that we're now looking at like 2014, 15. And, you know, here we are. And now we've got well over a hundred thousand people around the world using our super speed products. We have over 700 touring professionals around the world. And, you know, we're just here to help people, you know, get faster and do it in the most efficient and safest way possible. That's a great story. And I think, you know, like you mentioned back to your lesson, you know, providing a certain framework or a structure for people can go a long way. Like if you need to work on a certain amount of things or, you know, a number of different things, having that structure, right, can go a long way and at least having you move towards a specific goal or at least kind of looking like you're going to get better, right? And if you don't have that structure and you're just kind of just spinning your wheels a little bit, sometimes people kind of fall through the cracks and they get frustrated because they're not seeing the progress they need to be seeing. I mean, I just think people don't know how to practice. Like most golfers don't know how to practice. You know, the old thing that most people do is they go out and grab a bunch of balls and start banging them away at the range. And it's just not efficient in any way from a coaching standpoint. I mean, I think there's, there's different 
sections to a practice program, right? There's warming up, doing that appropriately, working on fundamentals, then there's applying those fundamentals, and then there's trying to put those under stress and more of a game. There's so much science on how people learn and the most effective ways to practice. I think that is maybe one of the most underutilized sciences by coaches around the world, not just in golf, but really in every sport. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. So, you know, Mike, tell us maybe, you know, when you first started up with super speed and started to kind of come up with this idea, you know, when did you first start to kind of feel like, Hey, this has some legs, you know, we're starting to kind of see some people utilize it more and also become a little more mainstream. When did you start to kind of feel like that you were getting that momentum? I mean, our very first research study we did with our, our players at our academy, we had about 50 people go through it. And even in a very crude form where we weren't even really using the clubs the way they look now, just basically trying to test the training to see what happened. And we ended up getting about a 2.6 average gain across 50 people. And I think there was one out of 50 people that didn't get some amount of a speed gain with, with like nothing optimized at all. We were like, wow, I mean, that's a big deal. And then when we were able to further that study and, and optimize some of the training and we were able to get that to like 100% gain of, you know, you know over 5% you know, of swing speed, yeah. I mean, we just knew that that area of golf training is something that everybody wanted. There was nothing like what we were doing on the market and we just felt like the scalability of it was going to be huge. Yeah, and then you look at, again, the way golf is, you look at the way golf is shaped now with all these big hitters, you know, Bryson DeChambeau is, is one to, you know, Rory McIlroy's of the world and, and Dustin Johnson's of the world. Like, people want to swing and hit the ball far. Like, that's what it comes down to, right? You see these guys on tour and they're swinging faster, stronger, they're hitting the ball farther. You know, to be able to kind of utilize or at least a system like what you have at super speed and apply it to, you know, you know either the recreational golfer or the elite golfer, like, that's really, really cool to see. There is literally zero downside to hitting it further. Like you see that on tour evidently, right? Like the guys that hit it a long way are almost always up there, you know, on, on the leader, just because everything else becomes easier, right? Like you hit the ball another 20 yards. You have another, you have a club and a half to two clubs less into the green. Yep. You end up hitting the ball closer to the pin. You end up having shorter putts, which I mean, it helps every aspect of your game. Like, and, and that's a conversation that, you know, we could go on for hours. About, <laughs> right, but right. Like the math on increasing distance and, and swing speed is a absolute 100% direct relationship to making your golf performance better. No question. That's, that's well said. So, you know, maybe for the listeners that aren't very uh, familiar with super speed, maybe kind of just give us a breakdown of super speed and the premise behind it. Maybe kind of give people, you know, the whole premise of, as to why we utilize it. You know, the, the, again, we always like to kind of talk about the why on this, this podcast, right? So maybe kind of break sure. it down for the listeners and just give them, you know, just kind of the, the, I guess the cliff notes version of, of super speed itself. Yeah, so we call the training overspeed training is, is what the type of training is. And essentially what overspeed training is, is taking a motion that your body already knows how to do and making your body go move faster while it's making that motion, right? And what we start to find is that over time, your brain starts to recognize that faster reaction speed of the muscles, starts to remember it, and actually starts to expect it out of that motion, right? So 
I look at it on a sense of it's like accessing speed that players are already capable of producing. And in some way, their brains put like a neurological limiter on the engine, if you will. And, you know, you probably see that a lot on the physical therapy side. There's all types of things that can happen um, with range of motion or mobility that aren't the fact that the players, you know, that person's joint is perfectly well able to move further than that, but their brain doesn't let it do it. And if you can remove that neurological limiter, all of a sudden they have more range of motion. Well, we're doing the same thing just on the speed side. We're saying, okay, you're swinging your driver at 100 miles an hour right now. Well, take this green club in our set that's 20% lighter your driver and let it rip. And, oh, by the way, you're probably going to be able to swing that about 118 to 119 miles an hour. In just a very short amount of swings, your brain starts to, like, click on Like, oh, wow, that's moving a lot faster. And then you can add load back, and it'll still try to, try to expect that faster 118, 119 mile an hour speed. And that's kind of the basic premise of the whole thing is just removing that neurological limiter on the engine. Nice. I think that's, that's a great way to explain it. And again, when you talk about the rehab or let's say the performance side of things, like you talked about, if people have more mobility, but they just can't access it on their own, you know, that's how we try and help people get into certain positions or be able to own positions, right? Because again, I think when you look at people who are trying to stretch, 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 and they're not getting any better, they're not moving any better, well, maybe this the flexibility and trying to force a certain range of motion that you can't control, maybe that's not going to yield the best result for you, right? So when you talk about super speed and be able to kind of, you know, you know, rev down that, that neurological lock that you're talking about and be able to access some of that speed that we know you have, but maybe you can't tap into on your own. You know, I think that's a, that's a great way to explain what I mean, it all does. Let, let me ask you a question as a medical professional. Sure. Like if you had somebody where the only issue that was going on was a little, was a neurological block in a range of motion, or you had somebody with a legit joint pathology that was making it not able to move, right. which one would you prefer to have as a client? I would choose option A all day long. Exactly. So like, right. that's the thing. Like what we found though, is that nearly a hundred percent of the population has a neurological limiter on how fast their body's moving during their golf swing. Yep. And that's why you see such consistent positive results because those neurological changes can happen almost instantaneously. They're not, they don't take months and months and months to, to change. Now they don't become permanent right away but you can see and then that's the cool thing too for the player right is that they'll go through one session it takes them five minutes and they'll see their swing speed go up five or six miles an hour effective swing speed right. hitting a ball so it's like well there's buy-in there immediately because right. like wow i know i can do it you know now how do i get to the point of doing it consistently and under pressure and that goes into the whole coaching process but right. you know the result potential is there right away Absolutely. The fact that they can kind of see that number, uh, if they're using a radar speed or, or something like that, like the fact that they can see that change almost instantly, right? When you're doing it for the first session. And I've, I've kind of experienced it myself. Like, you know, that's huge buy-in, right? But hey, listen, I can. Oh, I can't tell you how many tour players I've seen their jaws go to the ground when they see that <laughs> their speed go up like five or six. Well, because you know, a lot of these guys are maybe working, you know, hours upon hours a week in the gym to get stronger and working with gun good things that are all helping them and working on their swing. And they might spend two or three years getting a mile and a half change in their swing speed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you add in that neurological component, it goes up five miles an hour in like five or six minutes. They're like, what the world is this? <laughs> what have I been doing this whole time? Did you push something on that monitor to trick me? <laughs> like, That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, so maybe kind of, so they know you have different types of systems or sets for different types of players. So maybe kind of give us a breakdown of, you know, listen, if someone is, 
you know, I know you kind of base it on swing speed and the, 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 the weight of the, the, the driver that you use. So maybe kind of break down for listeners as to, hey, if a certain set is this way or if you swing a certain way or a certain speed, which set should you kind of look for? I mean, the, the real simple way to look at that is we base it based on the driver the player plays, right? So if you're using a standard men's weighted driver, then you need the men's set. If you need, yep. if you're playing kind of an ultralight, like senior ladies type club, then you're going to use that senior ladies set. Um, when players get below the height of about 5'2", um, we start to look at our junior set, which is yep. just 41 inches instead of 45. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where we are there with kind of your ultralight clubs. We have two sets for juniors. Um, one for your really young kids, your five to eight-year-olds, so our peewee set, then an all-star set for our eight to ten-year-olds. And then we also have a set for competitive uh, re- like world long drive uh, athletes. And you would only use that set if you're competing in those competitions using that 48 and three-quarter inch driver. So right. you wouldn't need that for any other reason. Right. But yeah, primarily it's just based on the driver you're playing. Now, we do put a little caveat in there on swing speed. Like if you're under about 85 miles an hour and you're using a standard men's weighted driver. Personally, we have a question on that of like, are you using the right driver? But we also may have too much load involved at that swing speed to really be able to access as much speed as you're capable of. So we tend to recommend that senior ladies set, even if you're using a standard men's weighted driver, when you get under certain speeds. Got it. Okay. That's, you know, again, that's a great explanation. Hopefully the listeners kind of, you know, follow that pretty, pretty nicely there. So, you know, let's kind of talk a little bit more about the science of super speed. So, you know, again, when we look at, you know, what we do for, and we like to be as evidence-based approach, you know, as possible, you know, when you talk about your protocols and the protocols that you put in place and I go, and I know they're readily available on your website there, you know, we always talk about, you know, is more better than, than let's say um, what the protocol says. You know, we've seen a lot of people who've come in our office who have utilized, let's say, overspeed training, but have overutilized it, right? Where they're doing, they're so uh, Yeah, I, I think the common, the common problem that people would go into is, is sort of that, especially to see this with tour players, again, like kind of your, your elite athlete mentality of, you know, you ask me to do five reps, I'm going to do 10 because that has to be better. And yes. that's definitely not the case with this type of training. In fact, we find less is more most of the time. Like we want people to be maximum intensity on every rep during the training, whatever that means. So if that means you need to take 20 or 30 seconds in between swings because you're too tired to keep max intensity, you need to do that. Yeah. If that means that, you know, maybe you need to cut down the reps even in the first protocol a little bit when you're starting, uh, we recommend that for a lot of our senior players. Um, it's less is more. So like whenever, again, we're trying to re-imprint, if you will, what the normal speed of the golf swing is for the brain. So if we're not moving faster than we normally do, we're not imprinting a faster speed. So I think that's the very simple way to look at it, right? You have to be moving faster than normal in order to be getting anything out of this training. If you're getting too tired or winded or out of breath or whatever it is to not be able to maintain those speeds, then it's counterproductive. Yeah. And I think too, you know, when people kind of ask about, you know, super speed or just overspeed training in general, you know, they think that the whole idea that you know, more is better, that's not the case, especially if the, the intent is max effort, right? Like these swings mm-hmm. should be max effort. If you want to move fast, like we tell people like, hey, listen, you want to get faster, then you need to sprint, right? These are the things that we talk about with our athletes and golfers to make sure that, listen, yep. if you're going to use this type of protocol or you're going to use this type of system, then you need to swing with max intent each and every time. And if you do that's more awesome. and more and more of that, the likelihood of it is you're likely going to either tweak something or cause some discomfort that your body isn't ready able to handle. And that's what we try and kind of make sure we caution people when they're doing stuff like this. Less is more. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, maybe give us 
you know, you know, and again, obviously you've worked with a lot of people uh, over your time since you've kind of created super speed. Tell us maybe like some of the, the results that maybe were kind of eye popping to even you, like maybe like, you know, tell us, you know, what was like, where was a person, you know, starting at and where did they end after, let's say a protocol with super speed when you kind of took them through that? I mean, an early one that I thought was really fantastic was, a, uh, um, and he actually still is playing a little bit down in Australia, but, um, one of our friends in Clint Rice. So he was working with us at the academies up in Chicago and he had been one of those players that was kind of riding around a bunch of mini tours. He played in Asia, bet he played in Australia. Um, and he was a guy that was like 104, 105 club speed guy, most of his career. And he had spent two years solidly working in the gym mechanics. And, and when he came in and we assessed him, he was up to 106. And I mean, he was like jumping out of this. He was so happy that he had finally gotten to 106. <laughs> and, you know, during that, that initial assessment session that we have with him about three hours. And I mean, we put him through the ringer, you know, Kyle had him on a medical table and looking at every single joint range of motion. We did all kinds of physical testing. We did 3d motion capture. We did everything you can imagine, looked at everything. And at the end we put him through a super speed session. So that wasn't maybe the best time because he's probably a little tired by that sure, point, sure. but still, you know, we had him hit, hit a few balls and get a baseline and it was right around 106. Put him through level one super speed protocol. Uh, first swing out of the gate was 112 and a half. The next one was 113. And he was one of those examples where he looked down at the money. He's like, you, you changed something. Like, <laughs> I've never had a driver swing over 110 in my life, right? right. And again, that, so that was a huge result. Uh, he kept working at the program diligently over that next year, about six, seven months in. Uh, he had gone through a secondary jump. He was right up in that like 118, 119 range wow. and, you know, sent me, you know, photos on his phone from a track man when he was at a tournament and he finally hit 120. So <laughs> that was huge. But I mean, that retooled this guy's entire bag. I mean, he right. had different clubs in the bag. He's now, you know, it went from a point that when we would go play, we'd be right around the same to him hitting it 30, 40 yards past me all the time, which is huge. I mean, that's me hitting a three wood into a par five and him hitting a five iron or right. a six iron. So that's a big deal. No question. Um, you know, so you know, that, that was one of the major ones. And then a lot of the other type of things that I think are the biggest results, like uh, we had a guy up in uh, Rhode Island, I believe sent us a great letter. It was a, you know, player who played golf his whole life. He was in his, uh, early sixties and just kind of uh, beat about with cancer and through that process had lost some strength, had lost some of some different, you know, it was a difficult process for him yeah. and you know, had lost 20 miles an hour at club speed just wow. from various different things there. And, you know, our system was one of those that was able to, he was able to do cause it wasn't taking him 20, it wasn't taking him two hours in the gym. Right. So he could get through this, he could do it. And he regained, you know, a hundred percent of his previous club speed with that. And, you know, essentially sent us a letter said that like, you know, you guys kept, kept me playing this game and you know, brought something that was very joyful in my life back. And, you know, just, so those kind of stories are also, I would say stuff that we really love to hear. No question. And again, like when you talk about a person like that, who was clearly struggling physically, right. And, and was trying to get back to a certain level, the fact that he can get back a hundred percent of what he lost. Like those are the testimonials that obviously speak volumes of what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about tour players gaining 10 miles an hour and hitting it yeah. further on TV all day long. But, you know, the people that have been playing with their buddies for 20 years and now all of a sudden can't get over a couple forced carries on other course or they're having to move up tee boxes and they don't want to do it. And yeah. I mean, I think we 
don't look at that aspect of people quitting this game nearly enough. Cause I think keeping those people playing and happy and having fun uh, is, you know, a way that we keep a lot more players out there on the golf course. No question. When you talk about the recreational golfer who just maybe kind of wants to hit it a little bit further, or maybe be a little bit healthier, more help more healthier in the process. Like giving them this type of system can go a long way. And then, again, like you said, having them buy into what's going on, having them see the result in a pretty, pretty fast um, pace and ultimately seeing the result on the course, like that's everything for these people. So I think that's, you know, again, you're speaking to the majority of the people, right. That could benefit from this type of training system for sure. So let's do this, Mike. So maybe kind of tell me like one thing that you feel most golfers that you've worked with either as a coach or through super speed. Um, what do you feel like most golfers struggle with when it comes to attempting to gain more club at speed? I think just getting out of their own way. I think most, the biggest problem we have is people not being aggressive enough when they're doing the training. Cause either they've been told, yeah, you got to keep your feet still, or you've been told that there's different things that they're supposed to do. And what we find is that so many times amateur golfers, especially get very over technical about the way they're swinging a golf club instead of just letting it be one single athletic motion and, and letting their body do what it knows how to do. Right. And I think our system allows people to get out of that box um, in, in a very easy way. Cause if they're doing it right, if they're seeing it on those little launch monitors, little PRGRs or whatever they're using to be able to really see what, what those results are, you know, they find that some of the things that they might've been told not to do actually make them move faster. And then they start to find that those things don't actually make them less consistent. You know, it actually makes them more consistent because all of a sudden they're sequencing more effectively and they're using the ground better. And, you know, so that part of it, I think is a big one is just letting yourself get outside the box of what you think your swing should look like and starting to find out what your body's swing really will look like to be the most efficient. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, golfers, they have this laundry list of things that they think about when they're on the tee box or before they kind of address the ball. And, you know, I think super speed sticks allows the, them to just swing, right? To kind of, mm-hmm. like you said, get out of their own way, get out of their own head and just swing fast, right? And then let the chips fall where they may, right? And I think allowing that person to do that and then seeing the results and then hopefully having them swing on the course and still seeing the results, like then it allows them to be less technical about all the, the, the laundry list of things that they want to do and going through this checklist and just swinging and enjoying the game. I think that's the important part of that for sure. Absolutely. That's, that's great. So let's do this, Mike. Let's transition to our what's in the bag section. So uh, look, uh, segment. So we love to hear what our guests on the show are swinging. So, you know, tell us, yep. you know, give us a little bit of what you are swinging in the bag, what you've got currently right now. Uh, my bag's mostly Titleist. Yeah. Um, Woods, I mean, pretty much all title is there. Um, AP2 irons. I haven't stepped up to the new version yet this okay. year, but probably will eventually. Sure. Yeah, I'm actually Titleist through and through right now. Nice. Down to Scotty Cameron Potter I've had for 12 years and will never get rid of unless I literally run over it with my car, and then I'll probably still <laughs> just get it fixed. <laughs> and I'm assuming you got Vokies then too? I do, yeah. Nice. And then the drivers, are they 900 series? Are they, are they, are they the TS series? I've got the I've got two right now that I, I kind of use for different things. I've got a TS2 that I, I really like, especially if I'm playing on tighter golf courses. Sure. I just like it's a fairway finder. Like I I know I'm gonna hit that thing straight. It's so forgiving. Yeah. And then I've actually got a TS4, um, one oh, wow. of the really far forward uh, center gravity drivers, yeah. which you know 
absolutely I got to be hitting it much more directly in the center of the face to get everything out of it. But sure. I do hit that driver significantly further if I really, uh, really get it. So if I'm playing in, you know, different types of club events where, you know, maybe we have a, you know, uh, you know, some type of different format where, you know, I'm not necessarily looking at it. I can go for it off the tee. And if I lose it, we can use my partner's ball kind of thing. Sure, sure, I might sure. throw that one in the bag for fun. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Again, you know, we're, we're big Talos. Obviously we're a Talos Performance Institute certified as well. Uh, so we have a lot of Talos. We actually just, I just actually just upgraded to the T100, T100S series. I've heard they're great. They're phenomenal. Um, they really are. And again, the, the technology in the club nowadays, and again, that's the first time I'm upgrading in about 10 years. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's day and night difference. No question about it. Mm-hmm. So let's do this. Let's do our shotgun round. So our shotgun round is like a lightning round. So we're going to ask you a number of golf related questions. You're going to just try and uh, choose the, you choose the answer that best reflects what you, what you think. Okay. Hit me. All right. So favorite golfer for you. I'm a Tiger fan. Yeah. I just love to see the guy play well. I always see, I, I mean, I think it's very rare we get, you know, generationally changing type players that come out. And I do think he's probably done more for the sport than anyone in the history of golf pretty much. Yeah. So I, I, no I, he, he's, he's on the top of my list. Yeah, no question. He has definitely uh, transcended the game. No question about it. Has he, have, has he been able to utilize super speed? Like has he done any of the protocols or anything like that? Has he been exposed to it? I mean, Tiger's a very private kind of person when it yeah, comes to everything that he's much. using so, or whatever kind of equipment he have. I mean, there's a photo floating around out there. If you, if you search on the internet, you can probably find a, find a picture of him with one in his hand somewhere. Got it. Okay, good to know. Good to know. That's all I need to say. All right, how about a favorite golf brand for you? Brand? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty strong Titleist guy. I, I, I like a lot of their stuff. I think I've played their stuff for a long time, and yeah. it's always been top-notch for me. Awesome. How about, like, a preferred drink or snack while you're playing? Uh, I'm a beef jerky guy on the course. Yeah. So uh, my favorite are actually uh, Nick Sticks, if you've ever heard of those. So they do oh, some really good, like, uh, grass-fed beef. Okay. Um, and no preservatives or anything like that, so I really like those. Nice. On the drink side, that can get a little bit more. It depends on the on the round, right? Like, <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of generally I'm a water with like some type of hydration tablet or a little bit of sea salt in it, something like that. Sure. But you know, also been known on the golf course to uh, partake in some other beverages depending on the environment. There you go. Hey, listen, you gotta have fun with it too, right? That's the whole point of the game. <laughs> I'm right, more so of a about- country club golfer, not nearly as much of a uh, competitive golfer at yep. this point. So, yep. you know, I do find that there's some balance there that's important to enjoy in the game. Absolutely. No question. I would uh, 100% agree with that. Okay. How about a uh, par three or par five? What's your preference? Par five all day. <laughs> I'm going to say with the, with the guy who's uh, working on super speed training, I would say par five would probably be up your alley. Every single par five I look at, I'm, I'm looking at how do I make birdie on this hole? And I just think that's enjoyable. Yeah. You know, my game has always been a little bit more kind of like hit it, go find it, and hit it again. And I actually like playing golf that way. Yeah. A lot of people I play against don't because, you know, I'll be the guy that, you know, maybe I'm a little bit off of that fairway or maybe I got to hit it around a tree or something. And all of a sudden I'm on the green, I got a birdie putt, and they just hate me for it. Um, <laughs> so, but it's all good. That, that, that's kind of my game. That's right. It is what it Scrappy is. Scrappy right? in some ways. There you go. Perfect. Uh, what's your preference, cart or walk? Uh, I'm a fan of walk with caddies. If if I can get get out on a golf course with walking with a caddy is my favorite thing to do probably of anything, any way to play golf. Absolutely. I can absolutely agree with that. No question. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? Happy Gilmore. 
Although those are both classics. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How about a favorite golf course for you? What's a course that, that really kind of sticks out in your mind in terms of the one that you really enjoyed playing? Yeah, um, I have a man. I got a bunch out there. Uh, my club here in Denver, Country Club at Castle Pines, is probably one of my. I'd say condition wise, like green quality. Like I just love playing that place because, oh, cool. I mean, we're gonna consistently just it's pure. Um, so I like that. Bunch of other great golf courses out there too. Ah, oh, geez, I, you, that's a hard one. You're stumping <laughs> me on, on on some of that. You know, played a bunch of courses in like. Michigan, you know, when I lived in Chicago, a lot of clubs over there really like uh, Lost Dunes Country Clubs, phenomenal. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, I'd say those are some good ones. Awesome. Those are those are in the top three on my list for sure. Awesome. How about like a favorite golf memory for you? Is there something that kind of really sticks out in your mind in terms of you know something you've been proud of, either working with Super Speed or with clients that you've instructed, things like that? I'd say, you know, back in the academy days, we used to run a lot of different types of like member events, if you would, for the people at our academies. And we had a couple that were just, you know, hyper competitive kind of like, uh, the first year we had a uh, Ryder Cup, an eight on eight Ryder Cup tournament. And I mean, this thing just came down to just some crazy stuff. And um, one of the games that we had during, during that was a, was, it was a type of scramble format that was a little bit goofy, but this was like a thing where, you know, I know I had a client of mine who was an older gentleman who was a good player, but didn't, you know, didn't always, you know, come through under pressure. And I mean, just hit the most perfect like hybrid shot to like four feet on a par five that I'd ever seen. (laughs) And I had to hit a three wood shot right after and actually was able to pull that off too. And we ended up like both making an Eagle on this hole, like under a competitive environment. It was insane. So, I mean, a lot of those type of things are definitely going to be the top of my memories. I got a lot of them. That's awesome. Okay. Final one in the round. Uh, Who's someone you'd recommend we reach out to be a guest on the show? To be guest on this show, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of great people out there. Uh, if you haven't had uh, Scott Fawcett on, I think he'd be a really good one. So uh, he started a, a, a company called Decade. Um, so he's one of the guys that looks at all the math of what actually what does it actually take to score better out on the golf course? And how should you make decisions out on the golf course? When should you hit driver? When should you not hit driver? All of those kind of things. Oh, cool. Um, but I think he's got a very great scientific approach to making those decisions and great analysis of why tour players do what they do, even when the announcers on TV are like, what in the world is this guy thinking? <laughs> right. Okay, good to know. We'll have to reach out. Maybe can I'll, if you have his contact, I'll maybe I'll reach out to him after this show and see if we can get him on. That'd be great. Absolutely. All right, so, you know, maybe let's kind of finish up with this, uh, Mike. You know, maybe kind of tell us just some words of wisdom. For those who maybe are, are new or maybe want to kind of, you know, you know, dive into super speed, maybe what are some things that you would recommend, you know, as they kind of prep to start to kind of utilize and start to kind of go through the protocol? Yeah, I mean, I'd watch the videos on the website first, and then, yeah, I'd get started. Like, we, we built this system so that any player that can make a golf swing without being in pain should not have an issue during this training. And mainly because you're not hitting a golf ball. So there, you know, there's much less residual force going through your body because you're not actually making impact. Like if you can comfortably go hit a bucket of golf balls at the range, you've just done a lot more intensive activity um, as far as like injury risk than you will going through this training. So, yeah. yeah and then I would just say, watch those videos, see if it's something you, you, you like the idea of. And then, you know, ask yourself if you'd like to hit the ball 20 yards further and then, you know, make a decision based on that. 
Mike, before we get you off the podcast, you know, maybe kind of tell the listeners what you got coming down in the pipeline. I know you're doing a lot more kind of digital stuff because of the pandemic. Um, maybe kind of tell the listeners, maybe are, are you having, I know there's some other products that you've got in your line right now that, that just kind of released not too long ago. Maybe kind of tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so we do also have a, a counterweight training system called our Super Speed C. That's its own independent training system. We're finding great results for people that pick up, that up on its own or do it in conjunction with the main three club Super Speeds training system. So m- a lot of more information on that on our website at superspeedgolf.com. Um, we do also have a, a certification program that, that's live. So it's a three-level online certification program. The first level, I'd say, is is really background on overspeed training, some of the history, um, more of the science, and and really some of the best practices of how to use it. We actually designed the first level for both coaches and uh, consumers to go through, you know, for coaches that want to learn more about the training and how to implement with their players, but also for consumers that just want to learn how to get the most out of the system they bought. And then the second and third levels are more geared at coaches getting into some more advanced uh, ground reaction force, biomechanics, swing coach, like getting more nuts and bolts of like really how to customize this training for different players. So that's available at superspeedcertified.com and there's links on that on our website as well. Um, We're also really excited to be offering those little PRGR launch monitors through our website now. So those are fantastic for getting good feedback on this training. So I think that's out there and that's really cool. You know, down the pipeline now, um, we're starting really some serious development and talks on, on figuring out how to get some more of this stuff more app based. So you'd actually have an app on your phone that could oh, nice. probably link up to that launch monitor and then be able to kind of track your progress for you. So, cool. you know, that's, we're still probably a year out on that development at least, but that's definitely in the works of some kind of like auto walkthrough tracking type app. So that we're excited about that as well. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you guys are always kind of pushing the envelope to make sure that one, it's, it's super convenient for the, the consumer, right? To be able to kind of track some of this progress and make sure they can see the progress that they're supposed to be making. Um, but again, all the research that you have on your website, and I know you're doing webinars and doing all sorts of different stuff kind of across the globe. You know, again, the nice thing about, you know, doing all this digital stuff is that you can reach, like we talked about even before recording this, you can reach a number of different people that you probably wouldn't have reached if you're doing a live event. So um, it's cool. Certainly to a lot of, a lot easier travel to walk down to my basement than it is to, you know, <laughs> fly to Europe. <laughs> no question. All right. So Mike, so for those who maybe want to kind of reach out and learn more about your products, I know you kind of talked about the websites there, but uh, maybe kind of, you know, tell the listeners, maybe your social media handles, things like that, so they can kind of follow what you guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, the website, superspeedgolf.com is a great resource. Um, all of our social media handles are at superspeedgolf. We also have baseball and tennis products, so you can look at at superspeedslugger or superspeedtennis. Um, nice. Similar theories, similar type protocols, some tweaks here and there to be sports specific. You can always reach us by email as well. Info at superspeedgolf.com is the, uh, the way to get a hold of us on that. And um, I'll sure you, they'll put some of those links in the, yeah. uh, at the podcast yeah. as well. Yeah, so. no question. We'll put, we'll put all those links into, into the show notes so that anyone who wants to kind of reach out to Mike or anyone on his team, you can do that. And then we'll kind of go from there. Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. Um, maybe what we'll do is once you kind of come up with some of the stuff that you're kind of working on, maybe we'll get you back on the show and you can kind of talk to us a little bit more through that. Absolutely. Dagoris, thanks a lot. You know, pleasure to be here and you know, hope people enjoyed it. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. 
If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do, and then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.